All right, welcome everybody. This is the Bottom Line Business Show. I am Joe Danier, and uh, we get to talk about business here on this real estate on Saturdays. Uh, so if you're out there and you're an aspiring entrepreneur, you want to get something started, we need you off the sidelines. We need some of those genius ideas that are rolling around in people's heads. Uh, maybe you, you're lacking in one department. Maybe you know your product, but you don't know how to market it or account, do the accounting behind it. You don't know how to uh, distribute it. And the, the secret sauce is that everybody lacks that piece, right? Uh, nobody is complete, but it's a, a matter of connecting with other people that are good in those different areas and working together, collaborating and, you know, doing it as as a whole. Uh, in studio today, we have John Arnold. How you doing, bud? Doing well, Joe. How are you? Good. It's been a while since we got to talk shop. And yes, one of my has. favorite things early on, we're, mm-hmm. we're talking about what we were going to do in the future, those long-term, long-horizon things. And I watched you not only talk it, but man, you put it into action and you nailed it. So bring everybody up to speed uh, and let our audience know what's going on in John Arnold's world. Um, well, everybody, I think most people know, I don't, I don't want to be arrogant about it, most people know that I have a wealth management firm. And I started the wealth management industry at the end of 99. And then I worked for life insurance slash financial planning shops for from 99 till 2002. Then I got my shot at being a stockbroker slash, slash investment manager, excuse me, investment advisor uh, at Stiefel Nicholas from 2002 to 2006. And then certain things happened to where it just instigated basically it's time to open up my own shop. Um, so in 2006, I opened up General Wealth Management. Uh, actually, it was General and Associates. And what happened is that, and then we opened up our second office in Salem six months later because we got, we came out of the gate, gate blazing. I thought I was going to be really struggling, and we did better than expected. So my hometown was Salem, Ohio, and I was traveling all the way to Bourbon every day. I was thinking, why don't I just open up a second one here? And it was successful its first year. And then 2008 came in, market crash, and then, we, we, we kept it open, but it wasn't very profitable, Salem was, but Bourbon was still killing it. Anyways, my dream uh, when we met, I think it was around 2006 area, 2007, my dream was to have like a, a, a financial epicenter. Mm-hmm. And I talked to you about that, to yeah. where we could have somebody come in and, and get the best mortgage, the best real estate, the best legal, the best accounting, the best wealth management, the best insurance, like I don't know if I said insurance, right? basically everything that's tied to your, to your, your life financially, all in one shop, but I, what I want to do is bring the best of the best into one area and, and, and decrease the actual cost. So my model was pretty simple, but uh, if I can give somebody the best service, the best, the best result for the least amount of cost, it would be very hard to beat. <clears throat> I searched and, and searched and prayed and prayed, and, I've, and, I've, and, and I got Andrew Smith out of that. He's by far the most elite uh, accountant I've ever met. He, he's He's just on a different level. He's he's different, and he's different in a good way. Uh, a walking, talking tax code, charisma, walk the walk, family man like you, uh, Christian man like you, and um, he's everything I wanted. And then I and 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 then you know we we uh, we were searching. For, we had uh, at the time uh, Chuck Dre in my office, who was an attorney, who was unbelievable, ex- excellent estate planning attorney. Um, but he's he's really at the end of his career, and my firm was growing larger and larger and larger and and chuck said basically i got to get out of here it's just too busy and uh so and then um we we kind of have we captured uh dave beatrice and and uh, brian cop and justin marcota in the legal sense of it we we were too successful with it out of the gate because we had a we had so many people want to trust the wills 
And then there's, there's only so much of Dave to go around. Uh, Brian does the more litigation work. Dustin does more of the con- business contract work. So we're, we're, we're kind of looking for that right fit for the legal part. And then I open up the real estate part, like you like you know of, and general real estate advisors. Uh, and I got the exact fit for that, which is Dennis Canadis. He was a real estate agent of the year, state of Ohio. Um, really successful agent, really good. I've known him like I've known you a long time. Walk the walk Christian guy, family man. All the right values and morals that I wanted. And and then I got so Dennis that and and then I got Ryan Freilich to run the uh, mortgage side of things. Who's again same exact characters. That's what I look for. I, I look for character traits. I don't look for like a business acumen first because you could have the great greatest business person in the world, but if they're a snake or they or they mm. have, they have shallow values, then right. you're you're going to end up fighting them in the end, and they're going to try to steal from you and and uh, do all the the crap that people hate in business. So I will overlook. Uh, business to get to capture business acumen to cap because I could teach business acumen oh, yeah. like you don't, right. but I can't teach character. So, yeah. and we got that. And then so Ryan runs our, our insurance and mortgage division, and he does unbelievable. I mean, he's doing things that I didn't know were possible. So, average loan closing is between four to six weeks. Like, so if a realtor gets a deal done, they send it to closing between the title company, but more importantly, the financing. It's usually a four to six week process. So, somebody's like dying to get into their home, they can't get into it because of the financing. Ryan's closing deals in seven days. Like, literally, Dang. that's unbelievable. And a lot has to do with our, our broker, Jeff Coher, and um, um, Home Mortgage Advisors, which is out of Columbus. They, they're our broker. And and they're they're expediting loans with us to get things to the finish line. And it's a great fit. And me, to be honest with you, I just collect a check. I wish I had – I wish I could sit here and tell you I had the leadership and the, the, envision, the vision and – and the way to like put the nuts and bolts together, and make sure those loans are closing as fast. I don't. The truth is, is Ryan and and our broker put it together, and I get the credit. That's the truth. But I I recently did something I think is pretty special uh, because I think the the more real estate market's collapsing as we speak. I sold all of my shares of Dennis Ganadas last two weeks ago, and so he fully owns JR and Real Estate Advisors, and I, and that hurt because I know how successful that's going to be. I mean, we were number six in the entire Tri County area seven months in to the real estate thing. And then uh, between I, one thing I, I didn't plan on is how, um, how much different the real estate agent mind is. Like they don't think like us, they mm-hmm. think more hand to mouth. They think like when's my next commission versus a business plan. And that wasn't a good fit for me. And plus more importantly, Dennis Gennadis and Sherry are really close friends of mine. Ironically, and they're my neighbors. And, and I got to know them like literally like family and, I had, I was like 80, 85% ownership of, of the company. And if I was going to take 80% of the profit out of it, Dennis would have very little. Right. And with the real estate market collapsing, uh, and my, the wealth management side just going crazy, we're, we're getting seven, $8 million a, a, a month in, and, and my paycheck is getting bigger because of that. I just couldn't look at Dennis in the eye knowing he's doing all the work and I'm getting 85% of the profit. So I thought the best way to do it in a down market that's going to probably go way down next year it's just here, here, you know, I, I, I fulfilled my ego. Yeah. I fulfilled my quest of that real estate venture. He's still in my office. He's still using my name, general real estate advisors, but now he has the baby. Now he's going to groom it to be hopefully a great teenager, you know what I mean? And a great right. adult. So that's where that's at. And I'm eventually offering that same exact solution to Ryan <clears throat> because I, 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 I eventually just want to be, I just want to real, want to run, run a hedge fund manage money and, and oversee general wealth management because that's what I'm good at. I'm even good at 
I'm really good at investment results. I'm really bad at, I think, managing people. My personality, I know my weaknesses. I have a very A to B cut and dry, matter of fact, abrasive personality, if you will, to where I really don't got time for people's excuses. And really, more importantly, I don't care. Where That's for you, or I think, way beneficial to more people as far as entrepreneur planning is. You're way more patient than I am. I'm just saying, hey, do these things. And when people come back and say, well, I didn't do it, or they have this excuse, I don't care about their excuses. And sometimes you need a little more compassion. I don't have that. So one thing I, I do have is a really good mind of making money. So I, I focus on what my strengths are. So I don't know how we rambled about that, but I, to back to your, your original question is I have a, I bought the Ethan Allen building, uh, which we bought for $990,000. We put almost $1.7 million into it, uh, which is not unexpected, but it's an unbelievable, if you, you've been in there, oh, it's an yeah, unbelievable, it's like you could put that in Chicago, New York city and it would stand tall. Um, we got a thousand dollar gallon uh, fish aquarium. You walk in and, uh, we have uh, we built it like Google. We have a podcast room like you have here. We have two workout rooms, one for the ladies, one for the men. We have a walk-in, like a really huge galley kitchen. Um, and we have a huge training facility right in the middle for, for seminars and workshops. And then, believe it or not, I have like a little Batman cave in the back to where if you pull in the back, I have a huge one-car garage, which I made an MMA gym. That's beautiful. So, I um, love that. Yeah, Michael Bender <laughs> and I and Tony Rinaldi, we do some uh, jiu-jitsu and MMA training back there, and it's it's a lot of fun. It's good. It saves me from getting on the treadmill. Heck yeah! And because uh, that's so boring. You spend a lot of time there too, I right? Do. So yeah, that was the whole the whole the whole goal was to make the place look like when you're driving into work. Most people drive in like, ah oh, man, I can't I can't do this one more day, you know, where they want to run their head through a wall. I wanted it to be to where you can't wait to get to work. Yeah, you know, like okay, I got to go home now, but it's not you know I'm not like dying to go home. And, and that works. I mean, we have a pretty, if you're doing your job right, it's the greatest place to work. All right. Got two questions Go for ahead. you. So the Go first ahead. one is, and you've been through both of these. Mm-hmm. And so this is more an advice deal where we run into people who have an idea. They talk about their idea. They want to do their idea. And even if they know what the next step is, they, they just lack the, the, the conviction or that's, the confidence to do it. So you you don't have that in your personality. You don't know how to hit the brakes, right? I'm all so, gas, no brakes. Right. So if you were to advise and say, be a little bit more like John, what would you tell him to do to kind of keep your, your head in it and just go forward with it? The best way to learn is the same way I learned in MMA and Jiu-Jitsu is to fail. You can talk to people all you want about how to do a Kimura or an Americana or or how to, how to even more importantly, if someone has you a mount, that's when they're on your chest the whole body weight's on your chest and you're figuring out not to die. No matter how much I explain it to you, you're not going to understand <laughs> no. it until someone's on you doing right. it. We have a 260 pound man on your chest who knows how to fight. You, you, your natural instincts kick in, but you also have to be skilled enough to understand how to get out of that and survive. I can talk you through it all you want, you know, keep your elbows to your, to your, to your hips, um, uh, you know, hands against one of their hips pointers, try to put them back in guard. That means nothing to you. Exactly. Until so you're I, there, until and then you there. hear those so, words. Right. So the same thing happens in business. Like I, like you and I are co-coaching Micah Bender, who's going to open up a self-defense academy or has. And when I, one of the things I have the same challenge with Micah, and I, and and like I just just go. Like the only thing you're going to, uh, I can only teach you so much. Joe can only teach you so much, but it's go time. Like for and then so I I find out with most entrepreneurs that like. They don't have just that right logo or just that right business card. They're always looking for excuses. Mm-hmm. My best advice is look for excuse, look for an excuse to win. 
don't look for an excuse to fail. That's what most people are doing. Most people are looking for that because deep down subconsciously they're afraid. So I tell people, like I tell realtors, if you're afraid, if you need coaching, you're probably in the wrong business. You probably need to be gathering a paycheck versus writing one. And so if you're looking to write paychecks, even to yourself, which most people start doing like me, I don't have, I didn't have enough money for employees. Um, you better learn how to grow a pair of you know what's and, and just go out and get it because what I want, what I, if there's, if someone's an entrepreneur out there, whether you're going to start as a real estate agent or making pizzas or in your case, uh, creating a marketing agency or computer uh, technology agency, uh, one of the many, many thousand businesses you own. That's a, that's a compliment to you, by the way. Thank you. Um, um, the only thing I can do is, the only thing I can tell people is you're going to fail. I guarantee you're going to piss somebody off, especially your competitors. You're going to piss one of your customers off because they think you know it all and you don't. And more importantly, you're going to piss yourself off more than anybody. Right. And so you either can, you're going to, you're going to fall. You're going to find, you got to find a way to get the courage and muster up the, the tenacity to, to dust yourself off. Know that that was a learning experience. You're not out of the game. You didn't, you know, you're not, you're not legitly dead. Yeah. You might be hurt. You might be injured, but you're going to heal. And just, it's a scab. And you're, and if you look at scars, your skin's actually tougher where you're scarred, right? It's That's a, exactly right. It's the same exact thing with steel. You melt it down. It comes back and you cool it down. It's actually stronger than before it melted down. Identical into business. So what I'm telling what I'm telling the listenership out there is if they're on the fence of like not getting started or I'm sure because you coach a lot of entrepreneurs like and it, it probably knowing you because you're a way nicer guy than him, you're probably nicer about it than I am. Me, I'm like, don't waste my you know what time. You're probably like, well, let's work on this and that. But at the end of the day, you got to be frustrated when you have somebody that has like the golden egg, but they don't they don't want to lay it. And it's like, what are you doing? Like, you say you want to do these things, but, you know, the, there's no magical wand. There's no, the fairy business mother's not coming down to, to help you, you know, get customers. You better go, you better go get started one way or another. Card, logo, slogan, I don't have the right suit, I don't have the right car, it doesn't matter. Mm-mm. Go go after it. Yeah, and, and I think my, my, my deal is that if somebody does the initial homework and they show the initiative, and maybe it's a little bit of fear that maybe they don't survive the first mm-hmm. failure, mm-hmm. And I'll tandem jump on that first one. I'll give them like 30 seconds worth of, of let's go do this, see that you got some backing here, and then you watch them with a little bit more courage the next time they try. So second question for you. Go ahead. So scaling. So maybe you, you started. Love you love that word. Go ahead. You're the <laughs> so, scale master. Go ahead. <laughs> so you, uh, you, you show that you can do it. Your math works. You've got a company that's making some money. Now you're like, I can probably do this bigger. My shop can get bigger. Huge my error. people can get bigger. Whatever. What? Uh, go ahead. I made that error. Go ahead. Um, another fall on my face was not. I was almost dead, but not not almost. I, when I opened Salem, uh, we were like killing it right out of the gate. Now keep in mind, we had a raging bull market, so I I I had invested my time at work energy to 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 guys that were like 50 years old, had some business acumen, but weren't in financial advisors. So I taught them how to be financial advisors, and they initially got their own natural market, which means they got money from their fam- friends and family to invest, and it got them to go kickstart. And then all of a sudden, they had to figure out how to get more clients, and they didn't know how to. Be- but more importantly, they were afraid to know how to. Mm-hmm. They didn't want to listen to me. I had this one guy named Mark that I literally I gave him the you know the bear you know what's in the woods it's cross line in the sand. This is where we need to be by the end of the month numbers wise. We're gonna have to let you go. And and that guy teared up and said, "Listen, I need this." And he came from the insurance industry, so I knew he had it. I knew he could do it. He just wasn't following my direction. And so he said, please just give me a couple more weeks. And 
I promise you I'll make it work. Sure enough, he's doing I said, you have to go call on 25 people a day, and your hope is to get three or four interested contacts to get one sale. So that's the average 10731 is the average entrepreneur ratio to how many contacts to, to, to the amount of sales. And I said, that's the average person. You need to be more than average. He went and, and he, he called on a shop down the street that was getting bought out. Uh, I want to say it's American Standard. And they got bought out by a, a private equity firm. At that time, they had like 400 employees, and they had millions of dollars in this Fidelity 401ks. We have to break. Yeah, let's go okay. through a break real quick. We'll uh, pause that statement. Uh, we're talking with John Arnold uh, when we come back here on the Bottom Line Business Show here on 570 WKBN. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Bottom Line Business Show. In studio, we have John Arnold, and we're talking about some uh, topics with both his companies or multiple companies. And <laughs> we threw a couple uh, of uh, hypotheticals at him. And uh, before the break, we were talking about uh, the scaling. You were talking about your insurance salesman. You gave him the ultimatum, the yeah. land in the sand, and he put afterburners on. Uh, he, he found a, uh, he found a, he, was, he listened to me. He went and literally marketed and it's like, you could have the cure for cancer, but if no one knows about it, it really doesn't matter. And I, I, I preach that to all our entrepreneurs, like you got to play offense and defense, but yeah. it probably makes more sense your first couple of years ago, more offense, because you're not going to get sued and no one's going to care if you're relevant. The way to make yourself relevant is to get some clients. So I tell, I tell entrepreneurs, go out and get it. Put your, you know, you need, you need people out there being uh, bird dogs, you know, so-and-so helped me at this and my computer and boy, it was unbelievable experience. You got to use Joe Danny, a Youngstown computer for your, you know, your business computer technology, et cetera. And, and so I, and then so Mark did that. He went and he called on just the right person at the right exact place. He found a human resource manager that said, Hey, we just switched over from this coming, this company, we have 60 days rollover of 401k. There was like $300 million in this 401k and of all the participants and Mark, if Mark just got like literally one tenth of that, He's going to have a great career. Oh, well, yes. A son of a gun made over $500,000 his first year. Didn't Man. he know what he's doing? I mean, we put it into a set of, I got, you know, a set of like four or five star mutual funds. Then they, they did great the first year. 2008 wrecked everybody. Like, and I lost a bunch of money too for people. And the bottom line is, is how the circles back to going too fast is if I can go back in time, two things I would do is one, I would never have opened up Salem. I would have concentrated on home base because I already had a ton of clientele on board and we were already doing well. We could survive, we could survive the disaster that was coming in 2008. Uh, obviously we didn't know it was coming, but it wasn't, there was enough revenue there to do it. We did. Bourbon was still killing it. Um, we, we really grew through, through that 2008, 2009 market crack crisis. Now, did you have any formal sales training or you just yes. were pragmatist? No, well, formal being the key word, no. So when I graduated, not graduated, when I got out of the military, my first job was Bally's Total Fitness selling memberships. Okay. And I was kind of like a half-assed personal trainer, to be honest with you. But more importantly, it was like selling memberships. So Bally's had this very ruthless system of you get a person that's kind of out of shape, you take them on the tour, you get them in the box, and you basically guilt them into signing your, 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 your three-year membership or whatever it Nineteen dollars and ninety nine cents, and you and then you had to sell X amount of memberships to maintain your salary. And then me, I was twenty one years old. I'd be at the time. I was like, man, that's it was a, it was such it was like the fun, literally to this day, it's the funnest place I've ever worked. I was I was making really good money working out, you know, 
it would seem like seven hours a day as in the fitness club, pretty girls everywhere. My boys were there, like we're all working out. At, at night we would open it up. Like here we could say this now, but we leave the windows open after you close and we would have pool parties and hot tub parties oh, It was just a great yes. Place to work. Yes. It was like right out of an empty rep <laughs> But anyways, um back back to but the sales training was so demanding, it was so ruthless. And then Bally's closed up one day overnight and then, then I I worked at Olive Garden. But believe it or not, a lot of people don't know this. Olive Garden has a very good sales training. Because if you, if you remember back, in, they don't do this anymore. But as soon as you get, as soon as you sit down, there's a waiter coming to you with a, with wine, literally a bottle of wine, and you have to learn how to describe the wine and the pairings and how they go with the food, et cetera. Or they want you to upsell desserts, they want you to upsell appetizers, and you had to have X amount of upsells to to be in the good graces with the manager. They didn't fire you, but they would kind of embarrass you at the end of the day. Like, here's who had to meet, here's who sold these many appetizers. And there was a lot of sales training when it was called suggestive selling, mm. suggestive selling. So when somebody comes to your table at Outback or whatever, and they're saying, we'd like to start you out with so-and-so, or how about we start you out with this appetizer, they're suggestive selling. And what they found through algorithm psychology is that works. That works on people. It doesn't work on people like you and I, Joe, to tell you the truth, because feels kind of yeah, it's salesy, yeah, yeah. but the average person that, that works on it. Oh, maybe I do want to try that mozzarella. Uh, with, with tomato sauce or whatever, that new wine that pairs up with it. So it works. And then so, and then uh, I, I eventually got tired of serving tables. And then, so I went and sold cars at Acura Borman, which is, so here's the truth. I have an MBA, I have a, a BA, I have just about every investments and insurance license, I have a mortgage license, real estate license. No one, nothing has taught me more about business than when I worked at Acura Borman. I, I got to mimic, um, Jim Whetstone and Jerry Sanford, who were the owners at the time, they owned Toyota Warren, et cetera, uh, Acura Borman at the time. And there was a sales system. And Jim always told me, plan your work, work your plan, meaning that, and that taught me everything about like, like you can go in and you, you try to shotgun your way to business. It might work, it might not. But if you have a plan and you follow it, you're more than likely going to succeed. You can sell, you know, snow cones and, and to, to Eskimos if you have a plan. So, I, I, I took that I just, we, as a system, and uh, we worked the system, and I, knew, I learned how to approach people. I learned how – because you got to remember, when somebody calls comes on a car lot, as a car salesman, you could be the nicest guy in the world. You're automatically the enemy. Mm-hmm. Someone can come into, I want this Acura, this year, this make, this model, this color, and you have it. And you have it literally at the exact right price they have it, but they already hate you. <laughs> Because you're the car salesman, yeah. So you gotta you gotta figure out a way to. I think we have to go to break. We have to figure out a way to uncover that. Go ahead. All right. We have to go. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Talk some more with John Arnold. This is the Bottom Line Business Show on 570 WKBN. We'll be back. All right. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Bottom Line Business Show. I am Joe Danya, and in studio we have John Arnold. We're talking about some uh, some business philosophy here, getting uh, John's input on on some advice. For those of you who might be on the sidelines, maybe a little reserved to get something started. And um, I know a lot of people that have made this way. So it's helpful to share those stories so that you can kind of see a little of yourself in them and, and get a little confidence to go out there and, and slay it. And, and you mentioned a bunch of times about plans, like plans and plans and plans. So you, you're a rehearsal guy. You, you do it on paper. You do it ahead of time. So that, yeah, for sure. So what, what, what is your process when you're hitting a new endeavor um, do you whiteboard it? Do you write the business plan out? Do you get started and then just document it out? What's your, what's your play? All those things combined. Um, if I really, really want to do something, I will research it for years. Like I opening up that real estate company, that mortgage company, 
I wanted to do that since 2006. I didn't do it until two years ago. There was a reason. One, capital. Two, I don't think I knew enough. I didn't know if I was mature enough businessman-wise. I didn't have the space that I wanted. And more importantly, I didn't know enough about it. So I watched real, I became friends with really strong real estate agents like Angela Dvorsky, Dennis Gennadis, Cindy Lassenheiser, et cetera. And I watched them in action. I see what they did. My own real estate agent commercial wise, Tom Nemi, uh, and, 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 and such. I, I watched various people, uh, do things and I seen their weaknesses and their strengths. And I, and I, formulated my own opinion like hey this is what i would do if i did this i had to understand the industry and that, that was actually hard for me because i didn't understand the real estate agent mindset psychology i thought it was a normal business man woman psychology and it's not it's really they truly want to stay salespeople. they don't want to be business people they want to still stay salespeople. and i was trying to make them business people and as you know you, you can't force someone's hand over peely if they just don't want to do it, they're just not going to get it. And and so um, I would say I would check mark the failure button or the failure column for John Arnold in the real estate world. We we were really successful revenue-wise, but I feel like I had if I had the right team and they bought into it, we could be in the number one real estate shop in the entire area. I mean, I mean Northeast Ohio, if they just followed the plan. And it was like, man, we was, was always working uphill, working against my will. And I was like, you know what? I don't have the right psychology. I'm not the right fit for them. Dennis Gennadis is because he's a real estate agent. He understands the psychology. I didn't. So back to your original question is the mortgage industry, I, I same exact thing. What I noticed that like when I was buying my own properties and houses, the people I was dealing with mortgages had the brains of a billy goat. I'm like, and the service, even more importantly, sucked. Like I was like, they would talk down to me or talk condescendingly or or like get to me when they get to me. I'm like, I'm renting these people's paychecks. I'm not financing a $60,000 house. I'm financing a $3 million building or a $3 million house, et cetera. And I'm thinking there's some juice there. Mm-hmm. Great credit, a great income. Like, but there should be a line of people like waiting to get my business. And there, there was some, but the problem is when they got your business, they were slow to the party. And I was thinking if I just did one tenth of the service and the appreciation that I did in the investment industry towards mortgage clients, we'd kill it. And we are, we're doing we're doing some great stuff. We're doing some great things. And the underlying motivation is we're helping people. That's what I love. I love helping people. And then so back to circle back to the original question is I will research it, research it, research it. I will kind of live, live it without being licensed to do it. And then once I'm licensed to do it, then I formulate my business plan and I plan my work, work my plan, work my plan, plan my work. And I, and I follow that system. I'm all persistence breaks down resistance. I'm all about that. Say what you mean, mean what you say. If it's meant to be, it's up to me. I live all those things. Nice. And uh, and 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 so the, to answer your question directly, is I do all of nothing really in those chronological order areas, but I do them all. Nice. Does that make sense? Yeah. And and so there's a lot of questions that come in this show about um, uh, nil, and you've had some mm-hmm. experience now with it. And from a business owner's perspective, people ask all the time: Is it a good investment? Uh, is it good money? Well worth money spent? So give me your experience so far with you that. Want, you want to? I mean, it's going to be hardcore. Yeah, this, this answer absolutely. So, um, I did nil. I started the nil train to help. Who's a really close personal friend of mine, Doug Phillips, who's an amazing person. He's an amazing man. Him and his wife, Sarah, close personal friends of John Arnold and Jennifer Arnold. And I, I knew that it just took somebody breaking the ice to get Youngstown State football some NILs. The same with uh, 
gosh, um, the the, high, the the basketball coach. Uh, God, he's really successful, Jared. Um, so I invited those guys to a dinner one night at um, Klingel's place over in Warren, and um, God, I can't remember the name. It's the the big beautiful country club over there. Anyways, I got to know him, and I and I really liked him, and we and a relationship formed from there. And then I um, I was like, you know what? I know this town. They just need somebody to start the fire. So I asked Doug, I said, do we have somebody that's a great human being, someone that I can literally help and, and groom, who's also a great athlete? And he's like, yes, we do. His name is Julio McLaughlin. He's coming in from Notre Dame College, which is not the Notre Dame. It's Notre Dame College in Cleveland. And he's about to break the NCAA rushing mark. And, I, and he's like, let me tell you something else, John. You will love this kid. I was like, awesome. So I took Jaleel out to Springfield Grill. And we got to talk, and then within ten minutes, I was like, I wanted to adopt this kid. He is an unbelievable human being. That's awesome. He and he's openly said this, so I can talk about him privately. He's he he and his family live in a car their junior year, and his grandmother let them park the car uh, in their parking lot and use the shower and bath. Is see, but they literally lived in the car. That's where they slept, and and until she got made, you know, ends meet. And then he said the bed, the bed bugs were so bad in, inside the car that he sometimes would actually sleep outside. He would rather sleep outside in the wet grass and the cold oh than sleep because the bed bugs. And he said he remembers screaming at the sky, like, God, why are you doing this to me? And, 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 and you know, if I ever get a chance to do something better for my family, I will. And, and I, I bought into that. He wasn't just talking. He was, he was living it. And what struck me the most about Jaleel is after all that pain, he was still a great person. Because most people in that position turn to the gangs. Yes. They turn to thug. They turn to, they turn to the street. And yep. the, the street's an instant gratification, but it ends up ruining your life. Jaleel said the course. He never missed calling Mr. Arnold, Mr. John, sir. And I asked him, please, just call me John. I said, you're a grown man, Jaleel. Just call me John. He would never, He against his will, he would call him Mr. Mm-hmm. Arnold. But he just, the reason I'm telling you is because it, what it, I got something way more than any kind of advertising through it. And I, I, got to, I got to help watch a young man become even a better young man and just an amazing person. But I did it behind the scenes because I wanted to help Doug Phillips. I wanted to crack the ice. I wanted to show people that doing something new in Youngstown, Ohio is not a bad thing. And, and so I did the first NIL green with, with Julio. Now we put him on TV commercials, me, him, boom, boom, my wife and uh, uh, Kelly Pavlik. And then um, Zion Hensley, who's the the boxer is probably going to be a gold medal winner someday out of this area. We did this commercial. It was outstanding. The commercial was beautiful. And but did anybody legitly like invest money with John Earl because of that commercial? No. You know the I I don't the, the the true root answer is no. You're if you think your business is going to grow because you did a, an NIL agreement, you're a fool. If you're in it for the right reasons, like I was, to help a young man and to do things the right way, and to to give someone a fair chance and to help somebody who's your friend, like Doug Phillips was to me. Then I say yes. Yeah, so you're going to get an internal reward, not an external reward. And then so it depends on if you if you look at it from that area. And then also, you know, when people think Youngstown State football, people thought you know Jalen with Manchester, There's a subconscious pairing there. When they seen Jaleel McLaughlin break the record, John Arnold was on that scene. He broke the NCAA rushing record. And then when they see him score like run a 60 yard touchdown last week, and and he's doing really well in the NFL for Denver. I don't know if you knew that or not, but he's doing mm-hmm. really well. Hopefully they paired John Arnold with that. But I didn't do it for those reasons. The truth is, is if you are going to do an IL agreement, your expectation should be the, the university and the, the student first. And then if something good comes out of it monetarily, it's just gravy on the potatoes, but it's not really what it's there for. Yeah. Well, see, I, I feel differently when when, I, when well, I go to a baseball game 
and I look at the banners of the people who spend money in community, I am more likely to do business with them because they're my kind of people. I so John Arnold is is helping an athlete, de- de- you know, kind of deliver their their potential. I'm more likely to do business with you over a no name who doesn't spend money in the community. Overall, I'm that same way. I guess I was trying to answer your question. The fact that if you're going to spend twenty thousand dollars on a kid a young man or young woman, and you think you're going to get $20,000 revenue back? Oh, for sure. For it's sure. not a good trade-off. No, it's not a yellow you're page. Much better. You're much better. You probably hired Joe Danny for $20,000 to, to do commercials and a marketing campaign if you want the return on investment. But if the return on investment's all around, like more for the heart than the money, yeah, NIL is your deal. Right. So now that you've done what, I, I don't know if how you felt before what NIL would do to college sports versus now. Do you feel better about it, worse about the same? I hate it. Do you hate it? I hate it. I hate everything about it. I think it should be capped. Uh, I think the transfer portal should be closed or very minimal. It should be catastrophic, meaning like you only get to transfer colleges once you make that commitment under catastrophic conditions. But NIL is going to ruin and has mm. ruined college football. And if you think I'm alone, ask Nick Saban about it. And he knows a little bit more about college football than me, just a little bit. But I, I'm being facetious, of course. But it's made college football professional football. Now, here's the one thing I agree with. There should be some kind of NIL compensation. You have inner-city African-American kids that don't even have enough money to buy pizzas or shoes, and that's a true statement. I've seen it in my own eyes, and the, the university's making millions of dollars off them. That's not a fair trade-off. If they can't even go to the, you know, on their day off and get a hamburger at McDonald's, but the university is selling their jersey for $85 in the, in this, in the university store. There's something really wrong with yeah, that. Right. But do I think that, you know, I think C.J. Stroud was going to be, ended up getting $4 million last year if he stayed with Ohio State. And he literally was at the deadline for making a decision because the money was so good at Ohio State. He chose the NFL instead. But my point is, you're going to get a free college education. And even and people don't realize, like, when you're doing pro, when you're doing collegiate sports, you're not getting just – on the field time, you're learning to be you're learning to do something better than your peers because you're not only doing school, you're doing collegiate athletics. There's, you're ahead of the game. You're getting a special privilege by playing for the university. So there's that reward, and and I don't think it's taken in consideration. And you're not teaching kids loyalty as well. And there's all of the, there's a whole bunch of different character integrity characteristics that I can't stand about NIL. But I think there's a I think there's going to be you'll see that it's going to it's going to piss off too many high end coaches. And who are friends of congressmen and senators, you're going to see the pendulum swing to the middle, like everything does, to where, okay, enough's enough. We're putting the brakes on unlimited NIL deals. We're going to cap it at $5,000 a quarter or semester to a student. That's probably going to happen. Otherwise, you're going to have, you're going to have a runaway freight train, and college sports are going to become pro sports, and that's not what it's for. Mm. So I'm against it totally, other yeah. than just a, we should give them a stipend. Yeah. To live. Okay. I, now, I have a question for you that we'll probably can spend a whole show on, but we'll give the, the brief version of okay. it. Okay. All right. I have this debate, and I just want to, this is me personally, Joe. Um, it, so I have this conversation about automations and the labor force where uh, either, you know, robotics mm-hmm. or software are going to replace people. And so the what you're going to do with unskilled people when all of those jobs go to the technology side and you know universal basic income comes up every single time and i i, I don't know how i feel i've not wrapped my you brain don't know it? i mean so what are your feelings on well you know me i don't know if the audience knows we have a long friendship yes you already know me yes what is tell me what my feelings on it are man i'm gonna say that uh ubi something for nothing it's not something it, it, socialism and, and that whole thing never works it, it always never breaks has. down it never has 
And but the math that I see is you are literally going to have people that aren't going to have something to do. So what do you have them do? You're always going to have a need for electricians, plumbers, skilled tradesmen. I think skilled tradesmen are the, are the new doctors. I think they're the new academics. I think if you're in a skilled trade and you're really good at what you do, you're going to be in the most demand. I think that you're you're going to make the most money. Um, also. I think you're going to always need people to do menial things. Um, you start giving the cheese away to the mice, they, eventually the trap's going to hit them. There's a reason why there's a trap. So I, hum, it's never worked on humanity. Free aiming's never worked. It's made people lazy. Uh, it's, it's made entrepreneurship lazy. It's made innovation lazy. What this country, the United States of America, really was in the United States of America until after World War I. And then it really became the United States of America at the war too. Because look at all, you look at New York City, all the, the buildings were built, the steel being created. That was for an innovation. Think about think about in the 1920s, building a skyscraper a quarter mile in the air. Think about without the cranes and without what needed to happen, the architecture and the math that had to happen to do that. There's so many things like the Apple computer that was created out of necessity. That thing, like necessities like human creation is going to die if you start doing that. Because if people just get up in the morning, they're they're making enough money to live. Human creation is going to die. I'm 100 percent against it. I think I think artificial intelligence is the end of humanity. I do. Here's the reason why: it is so good right now that you can't distinguish between a human being and a digital image. Let me give you an example of how dangerous this is, 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 is to society. They've already tested this. Your neighbor gets a phone call from AI. He says, "Hello, who's this? Who's this?" That AI has literally digitized his voice. It's literally replicated his voice to a science. Uh, uh, an AI, artificial intelligence recording calls your wife and says, I seen Joe at so-and-so's house, a female's house, and we think he's cheating on you. There's a digital image of your car in that person's driveway. They have already tested this. Mm. Your wife, now, you and I'm only using Debbie because you guys are so yeah. close. But you, let's say you and your wife are on the rocks and she thinks that you're cheating on her. Marriage has ended, all from artificial intelligence. That's a little bit of the threat that exists right now. And it's so good. And it's, it's so, so believable. And it's going to get so much better. Yes. And you know who's the king of that? NVIDIA. NVIDIA is a, a semiconductor out of uh, Singapore. They make over more, $4 million a day in profit. Profit, not revenue. Think about mm. that. They are so powerful. They are a runaway freight train. And that really scares me and here's the thing and you t- you hear like like elon musk is one of my personal heroes I, I i think he's he's our generation's albert einstein i know yep. you're an elon musk fan too For sure fearless innovative uh brilliant like he's a legit genius and genius with balls that's that's a hard combination yeah. to, to find he is he has said he is deathly afraid of quote unquote of artificial intelligence yep. and it needs to be stopped in its tracks as we speak so to answer your question, and it's not going to be because capitalism is going to work against us now. Artificial intelligence is going to have to be very, very contained because it's going to, it's going to take away a ton of jobs. It's going to take away, uh, it's going to invite socialism. It's going to invite uh, human, I don't know what you call it, where they give a paycheck away every month. Universal based. Universal, universal based. Like if people have just enough to live and get a Starbucks and smoke weed in their basement, guess what they're going to do? 100%. Right? The, do, the Joe Dannys are going to quit existing. What makes you so successful is because you want to innovate. You want to create. You want something better for you and your family. That entrepreneur spirit is going to die. So I'm totally against it. 
So when that happens, mm-hmm. you might as well not even think about the problem because we're in end game it's anyhow. It's, it's, what's going to happen is two thousand dollars a month is going to become eight thousand units a month. You're going to get like we have in Europe. You're going to get full blown socialism slash a little bit yeah. of communism. And when you have full blown socialism and communism, the guy at the top is going to lead the pack. I mean, he's he or she's going to tell you who to marry, how many kids you can have, what job you're going to do, and in return, you're going to get to work maybe three days a week. You're going to drink coffee and wine and and smoke whatever and and enjoy life and really have accomplished really nothing in your life but and that and that's not the american way no. that is bankrupted europe that is a truth that's not an opinion thing europe is legitimately bankrupt they're revolutionizing right now not revolutionizing they're revolting in in france because of the pensions yep. all right we're gonna take a break we'll come back talk some more with john arnold you're listening to the bottom line business show here on 570 wkbn we'll be right back all right. Welcome back, everybody. We are uh, talking business here on the Bottom Line Business Show. We have uh, John Arnold in studio. We're talking about uh, UBI, Universal Basic Income, and it is sort of like the first cut of socialism. It's like that gateway drug in, in I think the it's as so- socialized as you can get. Yeah, yeah. And, just wake up in the morning with X amount of dollars in your pocket. That's well, it, I think what they're going to do is they're not going to get it to apply to everyone. They're going to segment out a certain people and say, these people over here, you know, like, let's just say steel workers. Okay, the steel workers went out of business, so steel workers get a UBI. And then once the steel workers, then it just kind of compounds on itself. Uh, but And that's the fear with industries being, dis, you know, workers being displaced in certain industries and mass, like it's it's, you know, going to do. I believe in the adaptability of people. I really do think that we're going to sort of see the errors. It's going to happen slow enough that the smart people are going to end up winning and the stupid people aren't. Mm -hmm. If that happens, I think we're fine. But I'm sure when the car came along, the people making wagons were pretty scared that the world was going to end too. So I talk about that on my own show, that when you told people that were making wagons and wheels and horses were going to be a thing of the past when... You know, uh, people people don't know this, but when the automobile was first created, only the extremely wealthy had an automobile, and it was like a go kart, and it would run for like twenty minutes and break down. It was a novelty right. item. <laughs> Henry Ford came in, made the assembly line, made it affordable for his own workers. The rest is history, and bankrupted wagon wheel makers. And you're right, but what happened is, is it wasn't the end game, right? People like the United States went on to flourish because innovation happened. Exactly. Um, and 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 for the first, if. If we start giving away money and saying you don't have to do anything in life to earn your keep, you're going to destroy you can destroy humanity. Absolutely. And that's I'm, I was I was honestly I was I was try, I was I wouldn't judge you, but I was I was really wanting to know how you felt about it. Yeah. Seriously, you you're you're not at Ford either. Oh no way! Okay. No Good. way! No, Good. I I've just it's been argued back at me so many times. And from I'm, who? Uh, from internet people, right. unknown that's you know exactly, trollers. Yeah, that's yeah. why. Yeah. But that was what that was a trap question. So. When's the last time you heard somebody who created jobs like yourself saying, I want universal income? No. You'll never hear it. It's not Because one, had I got universal income, I wouldn't have created my own businesses because I'd have been lazy. Um, I wouldn't have got employees. And you've created a lot of jobs. Would you have had the same success with employees if if they were getting a paycheck no matter what? It'd be tough. Yeah, absolutely. There's people who literally know how to game the system to get unemployment. Right, so imagine and they live there forever. Right, they do, and they'll extend it until literally the very last hour. They know how to do create, you know, they send in so many resumes and 
put in some, they, I got so many applications. You know how in. many interviews I've had to go through yes. with a person that did not want the job? They That's just exactly have to satisfy right. the right. requirement. Now imagine if you had universal income. Mm. Humanity has so, <laughs> people have showed their hands so many times. It shouldn't even be a discussion. Mm-hmm. So anyways, we get off, probably off that. All right. We only got a couple minutes here. So why don't you tell everybody what you got coming up, your information, let the public know about John Arnold and how to get a hold of you and stuff. Um, well, John Wolf Management Company, right there across the street from the Borman Police Station. Something I'm very proud of is we help people. We don't, you know, we don't, uh, when somebody comes in for an initial appointment, we do about 20 initial appointments a, a year, excuse me, a week. Of those people, uh, we, we we don't call them and email them and go crazy and say, you know, drive them crazy. Are you coming to invest money? I just base, I've actually... Talk people, talk people out of making that decision at the at the, the desk because they come and say, no, 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 no. We want. I say, you just you just met me. You want to invest your entire life savings with me? Go home and think about it. Go talk about. It. And here's the reason: it, it is a selfish reason. I want them as a client for life. If they if they decide right now, then they might have buyer's remorse and say, I don't. You know, a week later, and the market's down. Was this the right decision? So, my point is is if you call our firm and you want truly, you know, free consultation help, you're going to get it. If you decide to follow up and be our client, we love that. If you don't, we love that too. Because when you come in for the initial appointment, you're going to get you're going to walk away better than you came in, and and that's that. All right. Um, and so, if they, go, ahead. go ahead. And they get a hold of you. How uh, you can get a hold of us at three three zero nine six five nine eight nine zero again three three zero nine six five nine eight nine zero. And let me could I parlay this? Absolutely. Last thirty seconds. I wanted to thank you and Debbie and Ryan. Uh, for being great entrepreneurs and great Americans, like you're everything that's right with this town. You're a doer. You don't say you're going to do things. You actually do them. You create a lot of jobs and you get a lot of people hope. And I, from the bottom of my heart, appreciate that. And I want to say thank you. I can't stand when I, I talk to people and they are going to do this and they're going to do that. And Youngstown's been in a five decade recession. We've done nothing different. You're doing things different. I'm proud of you. So thank you. Thank you, John. You're I appreciate welcome. that. And, and by the way, you you look amazing. Have you been on? Uh, <laughs> you, you you've uh, thank you doing a health kick, a yeah, diet, I, I, exercise. I work out ridiculous. Like I work out probably more than I should. Uh, the MMA and uh, the jujitsu has really helped. That's way better than a card, a you know treadmill or whatever. That gets old and boring. But thank you for that compliment. I I, I eat a lot less too. Okay, yeah, and that's the truth. But thank you for that compliment. I got a lot more work to do. All right. Well, John Arnold, thank you so much, buddy. I appreciate it. All right. uh, So that uh, wraps up the Bottom Line Business Show. If you have any questions for the computer show, go ahead and uh, get them queued up. 330-729-9977. You can text me at 333-1570. You now heard the Bottom Line Business Show on 570 WKBN.